Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. This segment is brought to you by Jigmaster Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com and use promo code PNF20 and save 20% off your next jig order today. Welcome to The Reel Down on Battle and Fin with your hosts, Dan Perry and Jimmy Skinner, where we talk about everything in tournament kayak fishing. Here we go. Hey, all right, everybody. Welcome back to The Reel Down. Um, got a big show tonight. We're going to do something a little bit different. Uh, Jimmy isn't here. He's off camping on, in Gunnersville with his wife, so hope he's out there slaying them. Staying warm. It's it's really cold tonight. We have a frost advisory in Alabama. You know, it's it's getting serious. But uh, so, yeah, we're going to do two different shows. So how it's going to work is uh, got one of the best anglers in the country as co-host. That's awesome. But the first half is going to be with Damian Tal. He won the Yakabas TOC out on the West Coast. And then the other half, uh, hopefully right at 30-minute mark, we're going to bring on Jay Wallen, and we're going to talk about uh, him and Russ. We're just going to kind of do a preview of the Hobie TOC and shootout. So that should be fun. So uh, without further ado, first let's bring on my, my guest host here, Russ Nyers. Thank you for being on the show, sir. Hey, no problem, Daniel. Happy to uh, happy to do it. This will be my first time uh, hosting or co-hosting a, a podcast, so there I'm go. excited for it. It should be fun. Probably the first of many. But the uh, but congratulations! I saw you got added to the dugout team today, right? I did. Well, yeah, a few a few days ago. But I, I uh, yeah, gave me a few days, and my buddy Adam just got added uh, as well. So I wanted uh, yeah him to have his moment and just uh, just uh, yeah announced it last night. So that's, that's something I'm really excited about. It's hard to argue that they have the best, not as far as shops and outfitters go, they have the most, the best team out there. It's, I mean, it, it's like a who's who. You, <laughs> you, Ryan, Adam, Steve runs it. Chris, I think Christine's on it. Jim Ware, Andy Middleton, uh, Russell Wallace. I mean, it's just like, it's crazy, man. All the best anglers from this region are on it. Yeah, no, it's it's great to be part of that family. That's a big reason, you know, why I decided to uh, join forces with all of them. Just uh, it's always nice having, uh, you know, anglers that level, uh, you know, working with them, and um, it's it's something. Yeah, I'm really ex- really excited for. Yeah, they uh, kind of whenever Hook won, you know, whenever they left, that left a big vacuum in our our region, and uh, did, yeah, and has stepped up and taken over. You the guy, yeah, Addison. Uh, Addison, you know, yeah. switched from from there too, and mm-hmm. as well as Adam. So, um, yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. All right. So, uh, thank you for being on. But tonight, we're going first. We're going to start talking to. Let's go ahead and bring him on. Damian Tal, the man, 
the West Coast legend. If you haven't heard his name, and do I, I know we talked before, you were doing this. Like you and Rush, y'all have this in common. He went west, and you went east, and then went back home west. But you did like the whole Yosemite, um, uh, Yellowstone, not Yosemite, but uh, yeah, Yosemite is in California. <laughs> uh, but Yellowstone, you did that whole trip not too long ago, and man, I was looking at those pictures and blown away. I went as a kid, and I, I can't wait to take my son one day, but uh, yeah, man, welcome to the show. And I'm, I, I hate it's taking this long to get you on, but thank you. Hi, right, thanks for having me, man. Hey, it's nice to meet you, Russ. Uh, yeah, good, great, great meeting you, for sure. <laughs> I, yeah. I've seen you on the standings in some of our events here, but I never met you in person because of, due to COVID, you know? But yeah, I thought, it's I, nice saw, you. I thought I saw you maybe once at, at one of the events, when I went out west there, I know you did the, I wouldn't see at the Delta, but uh, you did the Bassmaster too, didn't you? Yeah, I did the Bassmaster and the, the KBF clearly. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I didn't even look at Bassmaster. How did you do in that one? Me, I ended up in 10th place. Oh, 10th. Yeah. Dang, top 10. <laughs> Just about Darn. every tournament you did. I, I, you know, I've heard your name before and. You know, you know, you're a really good quality angler, but I was just going through all your, your standings and it's, you know, quite an accomplishment when, when just about every tournament, I think you've gotten in uh, top 10% yeah, here, this year. So that's, that's amazing. I'll go through them here at Yakabass State. If everybody doesn't know, if you don't watch all the YouTube videos from the guys out West or follow Yakabass, they're one of the biggest trails in the country. And um, yeah, I mean, it's just complete sticks, hammers the whole way. Uh, but yeah, so here we go. They had a different, they had a whole different uh, – their schedule was supposed to be Folsom, Shasta, Berryessa, New Maloney's, McClure, Clear Lake, and that got really affected by COVID, so they had to do some changes. And obviously it, uh, it's out in California, so they were really strict. But uh, start off with Folsom Lake, you got second out of 106, and that was in conjunction with a KBF and KBF, and you won that one, right? The KBF? Uh, no, the KBF, I came in second as well. Second as well. Yes. Okay. So two seconds. That, that's starting off the year pretty good there in February. Uh, the March went to online. You got first out of 68. May was online. You got first out of 50 with 116 inches. 116 inches. June. Where, did, where did you go to get most of those uh, 116 inches? Were you up at Clear Lake or Delta? Or, you live by in Fresno now. Is that is that right? Yes, I've always been in Fresno, but I fish a lot of local waters that hold uh, a lot of big fish. Uh, you don't get a lot of bites around here, but you fish the river system stuff. There's a lot of Florida strain, and those are the ones you want to target, not the really the and northern strain, the short, you know. Are you getting them in the river near Fresno? Yeah, rivers and, you know, some of these uh, <laughs> ponds that kind of kind of closer okay. to the river and stuff. I think I know where you're at. <laughs> oh, yeah? That's some good area, yeah. Yeah, All I used right. to fish a similar, similar area, but a little bit more towards it, Merced. Uh, it's pretty similar we call it here we call it the what is that the fresno slough it's kind of like the fresno yeah. delta it's kind of like uh it's kind of like the california delta but it's there's no tide so yeah it, it eventually flows into the delta if you follow it all the way down there right yeah 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 i've never fished it i know a buddy of mine uh yeah he, he grew up fishing around there and he's told me all about it and seen some of the big fish but i checked it out on google earth and it looks really cool where do you catch your fish and what do you use? There you go. So, yeah, I mean, now we know where you go, but uh, hey, so are you like one of those swim boat, swim bait guys out there in California? Uh, not really, but I, I've been doing it for the, uh, I've been, you know, trying it out, you know, as much as you know about swim bait, it's not enough about swim baits, you know? So yeah. I've been, I've been throwing it, kind of learning it. I'm talking to a lot of guys who do, do it, do that here quite often. And they're, you know, these guys that are really throwing swim baits and being very successful, they don't really talk much about it because they don't want people to really know, you know. But, you know, when you talk to them about it, you start to really figure out the pieces of the puzzle to put together to catch these swim bait fish, you know. And more kind of seems like it needs to be kind of like a timing kind of window. And I, I've been kind of working on it, but I've been able to get one here and there, but no giants yet. Probably my biggest is about eight, eight pounds on the dot, but the rest of my fish on them aren't too, too good. So if you're not getting them on swim baits, what are, are you more of a power fisherman or more of a finesse fisherman, or what kind of? How would you uh, describe your style of fishing? Are you just versatile, where you can kind of do a little of everything? I I I can do a little bit of everything, but I think I fall more towards power fishing. Uh, I really like to throw deep diving cranks, and you know, really like to run waters and stuff. Cool, cool. Uh, well, here's a couple other ones after uh, after the June online. 
Uh, you got in the Six Lake showdown that they had, you got 11th out of 105. In the McClure, you got third of 89. And first for the KBF that was in conjunction with that, you got second on Clear Lake out of 94. And then you also got seventh in the Hobie on the Delta and fourth in the KBF Super Trail. And that's one I, I think you won, Russ. But we, we, we won't bring it. All those are, there's such different lakes too, to be able yeah. to, to, you know, accomplish Super that on, on a variety. That's the thing with California too, uh, yeah. as I, I think more so than any other place in the country is there's just such a diverse, uh, you know, assortment of, of, of water from the Delta to Clear Lake and Clearwater Reservoirs. And, you know, it's all so different. So to, to be consistent on all those different bodies of water really says something. Yeah. The, and the last one, and the reason that you're on here is the, the tournament of champions that they had. And that was the top 75 from the AOY for Yakabaz. Uh, Damien, you, you had 85 and a half inches. Uh, Geno Mango, Magno had 84 inches. Kong Her with 83 and a half. And Greg, if his video just came out on it, his last one, actually, the tournament video, uh, Greg Blanchard, 81 three quarters. So, to get like just like Russ is saying to go from like Clear Lake or some of the other ones, and then to do that on Comanche where you know it's you're obviously a super well-rounded angler to be able to do that on different kinds of bodies of water. Have you have you fished a lot of these lakes before? Because those those are a ways away from from Fresno, a lot of them. So have you traveled to those or a lot of these tournaments uh, or a lot of these lakes you're going to? Are you just kind of showing up and and kind of you know? Learning them on the fly. Uh, for the first one, Lake Folsom, that was my first time there. I went in blind. I didn't know very much about that lake. And a, a lot of these lakes, I had fished it maybe once or twice. Clear Lake, this was my, i say, my fourth time fishing it. And McClure is a pretty close lake to me. But mm -hmm. the uh, Comanche, that was my fourth time fishing it too. I pre-fished it the week before one day, and then I went in uh, tournament day. That was probably about it. I mean... It, it, these lakes, if you think about it, the the clear reservoirs, they kind of fish similar to each other, so they're not too hard to pattern if you kind of figure out what yeah. the fish are actually doing. You know? Comanche, McClure, Maloney's, all all of those are all pretty similar. But then you yeah, know, the, you go to the, something like the Delta, which is completely different, and Clear Lake is it's another spot where it's a little different. But there's are some differences, you know, between like Comanche and and McClure. I know Comanche's a little bit more from, I mean, last time I was there, it was probably 18, but I remember it as being more of a, a largemouth fishery where places like McClure, uh, New Maloney's, or, uh, you know, you can definitely win with, with spotted bass there. Uh, I don't know. Do, how, what were you, were you, when you were fishing uh, Comanche and McClure, were there spots or smallmouth or, or largemouth or uh, what, what were you targeting? Same thing with Folsom too. Folsom, actually, you can win on all three species there. Yeah. Uh, for for McClure and Comanche, you know, it, you'd say there was more uh, largemouth at Comanche, right? Yeah. Or, yes, but it's kind of like it's kind of switched up, kind of now, you know. Uh, Is it? That's yeah. last time I was there was, was twenty years ago. So there's been a lot of big fish coming out of McClure right now. A lot of big largemouth. I've heard, a lot I've of heard that. Giants, you know? But does Comanche still have? Do they have spots and stuff there? Yes, they do. Okay. They, they do. They have spots, but um. It's really the largemouth you want to get on, but yeah, for right yeah, now, yeah. You're, you're mainly catching the spots right now. But gotcha. for for McClure, you're getting a lot of big largemouth right now. Right now is the time to be catching those giants. I mean, that last year, I haven't seen that many, but this year, a lot of these big largemouth are just coming out where, you know, you normally find those spotted bass, and they're just those big, you know, yeah. six, seven, eight pounders just sitting there, you know? I mean, I think that lake has now worked its way up to the, you know, on the Bassmaster rankings, I believe it was maybe last year, year before it got into the top 10, I think mm. pretty, at least top 10, or pretty close to the top 10 in the country. It's really made a name for itself. Yeah, a lot, a lot of giant fish are coming out this, uh, this year. I mean, I, for the tournament, I had pre-fish, uh, the week before, I had about 27 to 28 pounds of fish for my best five, and that happened wow. really quick. And I was just sitting on a, a on a long tapering point that leads into the main lake channel, and it, I was just catching them over and over again. And I just, I mean, I didn't want to beat up my fish because I don't generally beat up my fish during pre-fish, but I, it was just so much fun. <laughs> I can't and, and blame then, me. I've been there. <laughs> in the tournament day, I went back. These fish had kind of, you know, dispersed, and because the water was, they were dropping so much water at the time. 
Mm. So these fish are always suspending, moving, and I went back. And these fish weren't there. I was able to get only one from that area, and it ended up being my longest fish that I ever measured in a live tournament. So was that a large mouth or? Yeah, it was a large mouth. How big was it? It was twenty-four inches. Wow. wow. Yeah. Nice. That's a mega. No, no matter where you are. <laughs> yeah, I was I was surprised too because I had thought that these fish had completely left, and then luckily one stayed back, and I was able to get that fish. Good but job. That's it, awesome. It's crazy out there. So yeah. let's, I mean, with, with the Tournament of Champions, uh, let's kind of talk about that. It was a one-day tournament, and uh, I, I believe I didn't write down the exact fish that you had, but you had, like, a pretty consistent bag. It wasn't one big and a small. You They were all, like, 16 and a half, 17, right around there, right? Yeah. So was how, that, how, how's was your that Comanche, the Comanche, the TSC? Yeah. Okay. What was that, Daniel? How, how do you catch them? How did I catch them? Oh, okay, uh. Well, I'll talk about my prefish a little bit. Okay. Yeah. My prefish, I I didn't. I honestly only caught two fish that were non-scoreable, and that was my one prefish day. But during my prefish, I wasn't actually trying to catch fish. I was just out there graphing and trying to just look to see what the the fish are actually kind of doing. Like I'll sit in an area, and then if they if they pull up on a spot, I I see what they're doing. If they're pushing bait or they're not pushing bait, see if the wind is determining where they're going. And what I did during prefish, I just really kind of kept an eye on what they're doing. And I found, and I threw my big swim baits, and really my big swim baits was really to just locate quality fish. I I, I didn't try to really catch them, and I found an area that had had a lot of uh, wolf packs of of a two and a half to you know four pounders just swimming around. They'll follow it, and they're sitting on top of these islands, but they'll they'll keep moving in and out. So, and I found my general area I wanted to go during tournament day, and then tournament day I went there, you know, and I I know that for. For that lake during this time of year when it's really tough, when the lake hasn't really transitioned over, uh, the the bite is really tough. So you need to capitalize on that early morning bite and get a, a five fish limit early. If you didn't get your five fish between 930, you're going to be struggling to the very last, the last minute. And that's basically what I went. I went to go get an early limit and then started to really go deeper and deeper into the main lake channel where the bigger ones are sitting out there. Were you throwing the swim baits? first thing in the morning as well as into the afternoon or did you switch it up did you start off with bigger swim baits and then transition to like the smaller ones as the bite got tougher or, uh, you know i uh first thing in the morning i didn't catch them i was throwing a jig i was looking for uh you know to just fill a limit of quality fish i threw a jig i got no bites then i threw a jerk bait and i caught one keeper and then after that it just kind of died down but but uh I kind of let them settle down and, you know, every time I get to a spot that's like that where there's fish in the area, I turn off my units, I turn off everything and I just let them, you know, do their thing down there. And then I fished off a little bit deeper. I threw a Carolina rig. That's, that's what, that's, that's my, the one I catch almost all the fish on in these tough lakes, these clear body reservoirs. It's a Carolina rig and really working with my leader length and different baits on it. And I was sitting up shallow. And I was throwing out deep and dragging it up. And that's just the way they seemed to want it. They didn't really want it throwing it up shallow and, and then dragging deep. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've Dragon seen that range. before. Are you using more like creature baits or craws or uh, like straight tails or just a little everything? I, I throw everything. And for that for that particular day, it seemed like every time I changed the bait to a different uh, profile, I got bit. As soon as the first cast, I, I changed it, I got bit. And... And it, it seemed like it didn't really, the color didn't really matter. It just more of the profile. But every time I did switch up, I caught one. Like what, what determined, I, I've never understood that. One of you are throwing a Carolina rig. How do you know which bait to go to? Besides just trying to rotate them to get, you know, get a, a different one to bite. What says, okay, today's the day I'm going to throw a stick bait or today I'm going to throw a, a lizard on there or whatever it is. For these clear body reservoirs, what always catches them is a, is a, is a brush hawk. If you throw a brush hog on a Carolina rig, you will always catch these spotted bass. You know, they, they just they just have to eat the, the brush on hog. The full, full size or baby? I throw all three, but I generally start with the full size. Really? And you're getting yeah, that's on medium that full size, size huh? Yeah. That's I, cool. I, I throw the medium too, and it's new, and it gets bit, you know. So it, basically, and what's really important about these clear reservoirs, because the fish are always suspended when it gets tough. Especially and, this time of year, yeah. Like yeah, yeah. When, they're, when they're drawing down the lake. Yeah. And what a lot of people don't really look into is the the leader length and leader length is so key for these suspended fish you know i i generally start with the four four foot leader wow. and then i'll work my way up to an eight foot leader and eight foot leader yeah. how do you cast that 
you gotta, you gotta lob it out. <laughs> how do you how do you get them with the net? How do you net them with that you long just, elevator? You, you hold it up all the way up, and then you just try to keep scooping to get them. Leader, <laughs> yeah. It, Do you ever uh, try messing with? Uh, I've done it sometimes. We actually they make these little. It looks like a bullet weight, but it's actually a piece of foam. And I'll ping that to my brush hog, and actually make it either float up or just kind of suspend. Just give it a little more buoyancy. Have you ever tried uh, doing anything like that with them? I have not, but now I am. All right. <laughs> I've seen people use like uh, earplugs. Yeah, they'll, yeah. They'll put them in like a tube or something like that to get them to. Yeah, I forget who makes them, but they they make it looks just like a bulletway. It's black and uh, looks like a bulletway. They made them in a couple sizes. I, I can't remember who makes them, but I, I did that. I don't throw Carolina rigs a lot, but I started messing with that, and I've I've had luck with that. Just you know, keeping it off the bottom uh, a little bit and just giving it. You know, when you are working it, and it falls off a little shelf or something. It just it just has it almost just hovers there. You know. So uh, what's what, what's your uh, line setup? You're going. Like, can you tell us a whole rod reel all the way down to the bait setup? Oh, yeah. Okay, so for my rod, I have a Power Endurance 711. Oh, 795 power. 795 power endurance. Okay. And then for my reel, I have uh, a Crottle K uh, XG, which is a uh, gear ratio. And then I have my main line is 16-pound uh, FC Sniper. And that's my main line. That's fluorocarbon. And then... I run a one ounce to three quarter ounce tungsten, depending on depending on the mood of the fish. I change up my weights all the time, and then I use these tungsten clackers where you set them in between the the tungsten weight and the swivel, and that makes all the noise. And you like I, that better than like a bead? You think? Oh that, yeah, yeah. Because the, the bead over time, the tungsten will will will, will crack the the bead. Yeah, and that. then it will bust or not over time or mm. the bead will start to chip away and it'll start to cut into your knot and it, it would break off on a, on a good fish. And, yeah, uh, yeah. And especially these deep reservoirs, there's a lot of rocks. So it's going to, it's going to be, you know, hitting all these rocks down there. It's going to be scratching that bead up and stuff. I've yeah. only used beads. There you go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Depends. If you're on more of a silty lake or, you know, fishing something like a Tennessee river ledge where it's just kind of shell beds and, Hard bottom, yeah. But those lakes you're talking about, there's a lot of really chunky rock. It's hard. It's hard to throw a Carolina rig when it's when it's really chunky rock, though. Too, just as far as getting snag and, and stuff. Do you have to deal with that a lot when you're fishing those reservoirs out there with the Carolina rig? Yeah, it, you do. You do. But um, there's a, there's a certain way you have to really work the Carolina rig to get not get it so much snags. But you have to almost really be swimming the Carolina rig. Mm. You just have to be swimming it, and it won't get snagged. If you let it sit, it's gonna get snagged. Yeah, or maybe <laughs> doing shorter casts where you're working it a little bit more vertically rather than bombing it out and having yeah. that kind of angle the line like this rather than like that, maybe. Huh? Yeah. yeah. And then your end line—that's a, a mono. My no, it's fluorocarbon. Fluoro, okay. Yeah. What, fluoro. what pound was? I know you said sixteen on the main line, but yeah. how much for the leader? I'm using eight pound leader for. For for Comanche, Comanche fish are very line shy. They're you know they're very smart. You know they're they're very finicky, very smart. They, if they sense you on the above them, they won't bite. You know they, you'll see them literally on the graph, follow your bait all the way down, and they won't pick it up. And that kind of comes show that they're really line shy there, and they you have to really downsize your line to as small as possible to get. You know eight pounds is the lightest I'll go for my Carolina rigs. If I was drop shotting, I, I'd go down to five pound on floor mm -hmm. covering. And do you use just a standard like EWG hook, or is there a special hook you like? Like, uh, imagine a pretty light wire, just so you, you know, because of the I use, thin uh, line. I use the owner's uh, uh, one knot, you know, just a regular worm hook. It's it's not an EWG, it's just a worm hook. Okay, just a round yeah. bend. Yeah. Cool. Okay. And and you use fluoro for your leader? Yeah, for these clear reservoirs. Yes. Uh, it it doesn't seem like the model really makes um, it doesn't really help the bait float as much. You know, and a lot of these bites then I really come in uh, too much on the drag. It's it's the initial fall when it when your sinker hits the bottom, your bait mm. will kind of flutter there. And if the longer leader, it it will stay there longer, and it'll kind of dart at an angle or it kind of just flutter there. And these clear reservoirs, these fish they see it from so far away already. You know, it's it's yeah, it's that uh, that that stall time is what triggers them to bite it. They'll be following it, but it's that stall time that gets them to bite. That's why the longer leader comes in handy. You know, it gives them more time to see it as it's sinking slowly. Wow, that's cool. That's some cool Dude. stuff there. Yeah. So, how fast are you reeling? Are you just going slow, or is it more like a almost a biffle bug where you're 
you know, where you're just kind of knocking it and you know what I mean? Like yeah. are you, you kind of moving it more like a crank, a slow crankbait or are you, are you just, I was thinking from what I kind of picture, I'd imagine you're probably not even dragging it that far. You're more just casting it out and waiting for that fall. And if you drag it a little bit, don't get anything. Are you just casting out again just yeah. to keep it in a sense in that strike zone where most of the strikes are coming right when it hits the bottom and that lure just starts falling? Or are uh, you dragging it a long ways? I'm dragging it a long ways as well. But okay. my better fish had came off just that initial fall. But but when you're dragging it, I was dragging it quite fast. To the, I just lift it, and then I'll stop it and keep pressure on it, and then just reel down and lift it again. And I just make sure I have bottom contact all the time. I just don't give any slag. If you give a slag, it falls into those rocks. Yeah. So I just kept pressure on it, just keep pulling it, stop, and then just slowly reel down and pull on it and stop and just hold pressure. And then they'll, they'll pick it up. And with that long leader... You know, they pick it up. They're not going to let it go. They won't feel you either. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. You know, out, out in this part of the – I grew up out west, and Carolina rigs really aren't aren't that popular out west. As opposed, you know, I moved out here, and, I mean, everybody throws it's, – it's a really popular thing to throw out here, but you really don't hear about Carolina rigs too much out west, I mean, from what from what I've seen. Have you have you noticed that too? Do you feel you know a lot of people that are also throwing Carolina rigs, or you, you think you're kind of doing that to be a little different? I, you know, for here, I don't really see a lot of people throwing it. It's kind of it's kind of something that's kind of forgotten. That's you know, what I that's yeah, it's, how I felt. Yeah, like a lot of the old timers I fish with, they, they they still throw it. You know, it's kind of a technique that's that's a staple. It always works, but it's kind of like, you know, these cooler stuff has came out, and you know, everybody wants to jump on the hype and stuff, and yeah. these stuff that we should be throwing, we you know. It's still gonna catch them, you know. Yeah. Especially like, on those pressured lakes, like Cal, you know, California, where they see everything. You know, just thinking outside the box and doing something different. Yeah, uh, it's smart. And you know, Carolina rig, you can be so versatile with the Carolina rig. You can change your leaders, you know, you can change your weights, you know, you can change baits, change hook sizes, you can change everything up on it and really present them something different. You know, and all, all, all in all, you just get more and more bites as you change for baits and you know adapt to what's going on. Yeah. And Very still, cool. the brush hog, you're only using a one-odd hook? Yeah. Small. Wow. Okay. Uh, it, it, these fish, you know, sometimes they'll pick it up. If it's too heavy, they're going to drop it. it. Comanche fish are just kind of weird like that when they're, when they're tough. When it's tough, you can feel them bite it. You know, it'll feel like a machine gun bite. You know, you get a few taps and then they'll drop it. Mm -hmm. But with the smaller hook, they, they, won't, they won't notice the hook and they'll just keep it in. But you miss a lot of bites, but you get more bites because of it, you know. How how deep are you fishing in like that 20, 30 foot range? Or you go, I mean, going deeper uh, than that or shallower? I, I fish my Carolina rig anywhere from 20 to about 75 around there. 75 ah, really? Yeah. Those, <laughs> those fish that are out there in eight, around 80 feet, they're not on the bottom 80 feet. They're suspended over there. Oh, but, so you're getting yeah. them before I get what you're saying. So, yeah. And you're getting largemouth. Yeah, largemouth. Wow. That's and really cool. And fish man. will follow it down. You'll see them follow it down and then. Then when as soon as you hit the bottom, you'll feel those fish on, and it's that's generally the bigger ones that bite that are all the way out there. They're willing to follow all the way down and eat it out there in about seventy feet. They'll eat that. They eat that out there. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Dang, I'm, I'm I'm like blown away. No, me too. <laughs> that's, man, that's that's it, good stuff right there. That's it, you know not the typical stuff that you hear. This is I'm sure a lot of people are are taking notes yeah. on this. It's uh these suspended fish. It's uh that's kind of like what I really like to fish on these t pressured lakes. With when they're very pressured, they're kind of easier to figure out because they're gonna just pull out to these main channel and sit somewhere where they're kind of safe out there, you know. And they're they're easy to target. This fish, they're fish that people don't really target much because mm -hmm. everybody wants to fish the good looking stuff, you know. Yeah. Everything that wants to find all the stuff that you know it's really fishy. But really, these these big ones are just in the creek channels or you know in these these deeper saddles, and they're just relaxing out there and suspended. And really, those fish, you don't need too many of them. You only need five of those fish to bite. And if you get five of those fish, that's that's a winning bag for these tough lakes. Yeah. So you're using your electronics a lot and covering a lot of water and kind of finding these suspended fish first before you, you cast or what do you do? What, you know, because I mean, you can't just go anywhere in 70 feet and just start throwing, throwing stuff. You gotta, you know, so you're, are you fishing more of the Creek channels and stuff like that? Or, or where areas like long points kind of lead out to the main channels or, or just a little bit of all that, or. I, I do a little bit of all that, but. I do that during pre-fish. I have my fish finder on, and and you know, just if I don't catch anything, it's no big deal. But on tournament day, I generally turn my fish finder off when I get to a good spot that I really like, and 
these spots are fish, spots that I already found big fish before, or they're just big fish houses, you know, where, you know, big fish will stage up there. And then when they're pressured, they'll move out, but this, their home is still there, you know? Gotcha. So you're and, looking for the area, like you're looking for those community hole areas where they're always pulling up, but instead of mm -hmm. going for those active fish that everybody's fishing on community holes, you're, you're fishing for those fish that, that get pressured and then push out and are essentially kind of, I hear a lot of people describe, they have like, you know, in an area like the living room where the fish are just kind of hanging out and then the, the kitchen where they'll move up to feed. So you're kind of more fishing the areas where they're not essentially actively feeding or, or pulling up on ambush points, but ones that are just kind of, kind of hanging out there. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what it is. So you fish community holes, you fish your big fish houses, but you're going to target areas that a lot of people don't target, which is really deep. And, you know, a lot of people don't feel comfortable fishing deep, but that's where the big ones are. You know, it, it's, it is hard to get them out there, but when you do get them, they're the right ones. And, you know, that's basically what I did for Comanche. I mean, and really the, the wind kind of determined where I'm going to go and, and fish. But in the area I fish, I had graphed a lot of good stuff, a lot of good looking stuff that the wind is pushing onto and, you know, these offshore island tops and things like that. But there's only a few key spots that have the big ones. And the thing is about these fish too, if you hook into one, they scatter. So you got to go to your next high percentage spot, sit there, catch one, and then rotate back to your spot that you originally caught them. Yep, these fish, yep. they scatter all the time when you catch one. They spook out. And these fish, they're, they're not the kind of fish that you're looking for that are on the bottom that are spaghetti line. If you graph over them, you'll see like one or two arches just out there in, in the middle of the water column. And there's no bait fish around. They're just sitting out there. Those are the ones you want to look for. So how, when you find those, though, then you go back during the tournament and you don't use your electronics. Are you ever mm -hmm. like, man, are they are they still here? Like when I came out here, <laughs> there's only a, a few fish like this could easily just like like leave, you know? But, well, what I do is I, I I turn my fish runner off and I just if I don't graph them, I, 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 I don't think too much. I try to think too much about it. I, I still fish it because, uh, you know, even if you don't graph them, they, they will show up. They, they will show up. And if you sit there long enough, one will come out and grab it. And what I want to do is I would just sit there long enough. I, I commit to it. And eventually, if you catch one, a few bigger ones will pull up to it with it. Cool. I mean, so you just get a milk run. You get a few of these areas. And just like you said, once you get one, they kind of they spook off. So you just have a milk run. Like how many spots do you have in your milk run, do you think? For Comanche, I had I had four spots that, that had these big ones on them. And uh, my first spot actually was very productive. I caught a lot of fish there. And then I, as the wind changed, I moved out further to the main lake. And where the, because the wind was blowing to the north end of the lake in the morning, which is, uh, no, it was blowing to the south end of the lake, which is blown away from my first spot. And I kind of got them there, which is kind of weird because they generally aren't there if the wind is blowing that direction. But at about nine o'clock, the wind had changed and the wind had blown to the island top. So it had blown from south to north. So I went to the first the first island top that's farthest out, and that's where their fish were at. They were the the fish were being blown from the main channel onto that first island top, and I was able to catch them there. And then I basically found another spot that was next to it, and I caught them there as well. So I just rotated all three spots, and then I didn't even get a chance to fish my other spot. It was just right. pretty good. Gotcha. Good deal, man. We don't want to hold you up anymore. Is there? A, we appreciate you being on. Is there anybody you'd like to thank that makes this easier for you? Well, uh, well, thanks to you guys for having me on. I mean, this is my first yeah, time being on a podcast, and it's actually pretty exciting, you know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and it was, it was nice to meet both of you guys, Russ Snyder. Yeah, yeah, yeah dude, man. That was, that was a really great conversation. <laughs> that, was, that was fun. Well, cool. All yeah. right, man. Well, yeah, yeah, be good, and, and we'll, I'm sure we'll talk to you again before too long. All, All right. right. Nice talking to you, man. Later. All right, we'll have Jay on here in just a second. He's getting on here. Oh, yep, he'll be on here in just a second. There cool. he is. Jay, what's up, man? Can you hear us? Hey, guys. Uh, there, Jay. I can't hear you. Oh, you can't? No. Uh, can you hear me, Daniel? Yeah, I can hear you. All right. Nothing I don't yet. know if you guys can hear me. I can't hear yeah. you. Yeah, we, we can hear you. So you can hear me, but I can't hear you. Mm -hmm. no. Well, here, try to go all the way back out and then come back in. Go out, 
come back. Um, everything's backwards. <laughs> yeah. Go, there he is. All right. He figured it out. All right. So what we're going to talk about now is the Hobie BOS shootout. Both of you were in it. And, um, man, it's, it's, I think everybody, just about every angler. Let's see if he can hear us now. Can you hear us now? I can't hear you. No. Is it something with the, the earbuds? Earbuds are working good. I don't know. It's weird. Mm-hmm. Can you hear me? Yeah. No? No? Mm. I don't know. Should all three of us get back out and get back in? Uh, I I can't send everybody out because then it would stop the show. Gotcha. I don't think it works like that. Well, here, let me. All right. Now I can't. Now we can't hear him. Now you can hear me, right? Yeah. Uh huh. Hey, you there? Right. You hear it? Yeah. Yeah. Right. We'll just do it without the AirPods. I think they were. All right. Can you? You can still hear us. Hey Jay. Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Cool. All right. So what we're ta- like, like I said, what we're talking about now is a Hobie BOS and shootout. And uh, I think every angler at the beginning of the year, they were thinking, I mean, if you're just only motor, you weren't fishing Hobie, but I think everybody else was, man, that was one thing they wanted to be in at the end of the year. Like, what does it mean to even make it into it? Cause it's, it's gotta be except for the 10, which is obviously only 10, 11 people, maybe 12, but, that and this are the two toughest things to get into. What does it mean to even be in it with those that level of anglers? Um, is that a question for me? Yeah, go ahead, man. Yeah. Well, you know, last year, uh, the TOC, I mean, I didn't make it. And I, I fished as hard as I could. I tried as hard as I could. I, fished, I had to fish the shootout. Uh, and I couldn't get in and you know, there's always that one of something you can't have, right? Yeah. So not being able to make it for, and there were a number of guys, uh, good anglers who tried to make it and fell short. And you know, that just creates, that creates the big drive and the desire. And when you get enough people, everybody wants in, but only 50 are getting in. Um, so it's just, it's the exclusivity of it. That's, you know, right. that's what makes it so desirable. And you know that if you made the 50, if you got in, you earned it because there was really no other option. You had to earn it. And that's what makes it nice. And how, like, well, here, I'll, I'll give the description of what it is. It, this is what I'm guessing AJ said for the, uh, it says the most prestigious championship in competitive fishing comes to Knoxville. 50 anglers from all over the country have earned their opportunity to fish in this exclusive event. The top 10 placing anglers will be paid a minimum of 60 grand in cash. And the top 10 placing anglers, um, the top placing angler will earn a spot for the team USA in the 10th Hobie fishing world, um, a large championship class fishery with unlimited options for angler anglers is going to produce some amazing uh, show as a kayak fishing world watches and the grand a new grand champion is crowned is crowned that and this is a big body of water it's a can can you kind of give everybody a breakdown of of what all water it includes because both y'all have pre-fished already right a little bit i was up there earlier this year for the kbf trail series yeah. for a couple of days i, I two-day tournament and I was there uh, maybe three days before and I think I fished uh, about a day and a half I don't know, a couple weeks ago and uh, I was just up there today I didn't fish but I was just looking for a boat where I just basically spent all day driving around uh, looking for for access points but I'll be heading back out tomorrow I think how do you do in that KBF event I got first I won the first one I got second place in the second day Pretty good. Not bad. <laughs> <laughs> and the, uh, so here, here's 
like a, a another question. Is, is there a certain? Yeah, I got some questions for some from some other people because this is a, a fishery where you can catch all three, right? Boss largemouth and smallmouth. Is there a certain? Obviously, I don't want y'all to give anything away that you're going to be fishing, but is there a certain one that most people are going to be targeting? Let's say. I, I think smallmouth. I mean, it's all three could you know, they're smallmouth or largemouth. I, I I'm betting that we'll probably see more smallmouth than largemouth as far as the larger fish. But I could be wrong. Could be the other way around. But depends on where you're fishing. If you're fishing up the rivers or if you're fishing more on the lakes. Yeah, yeah it's uh, it could go fifty fifty. It could go either way. Um, I think. Whoever wins, it's going to have to have smallmouth mixed in for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, Maybe like uh, one big kicker largemouth or something like that. Yeah, yep, definitely. And there's it's a lot of water, though. It's a lot of water. Tons, yeah. And that's, I mean, that's one of the great things that Hobie usually does is they try to be real liberal and, and let everybody spread out and, and give as much water as they can. Is there, um, like, is there a certain... Like here, what, like what kind of area were you fishing during the KBF event, Russ? It was it <laughs> was it moving water or a lake? Can you say that? No. no. <laughs> no I mean, it's a lot of money. I, I don't want to uh, uh, say anything you don't want. I might try throwing a Carolina rig in seventy foot of water now. To be honest, well, <laughs> that was some interesting stuff that Damien had to say. That really made me think. Well, I, I tell you, from my experience out there, there's not a lot of places where the water's not moving. Yeah. Uh, there's yeah. a lot of water that moves through the lakes, uh, the upper reaches of the of both lakes. Um, you know, there's usually a fair amount of current or where you are. So yeah, yeah. Especially if they're generating, which they have been a lot. Yeah, People definitely. tell me, though, that, you know, the two lakes above there, Cherokee and Douglas and uh, you know, all those, they're, they're, this is a time of year where they're we're trying to draw the lakes down to, to winter pool too. And, uh, what's interesting is, you know, talking to a few guys, some of them think that, you know, right now they're generating the crap out of everything and there's a lot of current, but with this forecast that we have, we don't have a lot of rain in the forecast and you know, there's a good chance that a lot of these lakes might hit winter pool by the time tournament time comes around. So if that is the case, we might see a, a major shift where there isn't really much current, even up the rivers. So then a lot of the stuff that if you've even practiced before, it's not even not really going to matter so much because it's changing so fast right now. Everything's transitioning and it's been a tough bite just about everywhere. At least the state of Tennessee that I've seen, it's yeah. it. This has got to be the eight years that I've lived here. I think this is probably the toughest month of fishing except maybe like, you know, during periods of like, you know, crazy cold weather in January or something like that, or if it's just horrible conditions. But uh, it, it's been a really, really uh, tough, tough month of October in Tennessee. And a lot of that's just because of the, um, you know, unseasonably warm weather. We've had a, a few cool nights and it's just now finally starting to cool off at night, which really should help. But a lot of these lakes, you know, you're still seeing temperatures, water temps in the, the mid, mid, mid to high 60s. Uh, it should be, you know, around 60 or even high 50s by this time of year. So, and it's going to drop. I bet you it gets, even though we do have some warm, pretty warm temperatures in the forecast, the days are getting shorter, uh, even though it's going to hit 70, you know, mid 70s a lot this next couple of weeks. Um, you know, the overnight lows are, are, are dropping and, and the days are getting shorter, shorter. So when you have, uh, you know, cold temps at night and it, the sun doesn't come out as long, it, it's going to just automatically, these temps got to start dropping a little bit. And, and hopefully that triggers them to start schooling up and, and feed. And, uh, there's, just, there's a lot of suspended fish right now. is the thing. There you go. Is there, for, are both y'all shooting the, or both of y'all fishing the shootout as well or just the TOC? I actually haven't decided. I'm not sure. I need to spend at least another day on Teleco. That's me. I just, I haven't fished Teleco much. I, yeah, undecided at this point. Uh, I haven't, uh, yeah, I haven't fished Teleco too much yet either a little bit, but um, yeah, I don't know. I haven't really give it 
given it much much thought yet. I uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And I, yeah, I, I don't know how you do. You take your time away to from practicing, or you don't want if you've already found something, you don't want to beat them up, or yeah, the you know last year at the ten there was a ten invitational and um, you know me I was. I was, I was hanging out having dinner a couple of days before the tournament with uh, Cody and, and Josh Stewart and, and Matt uh, Scotch. And we we're kind of talking about it. And, you know, we, we kind of thought it was smarter just to, uh, to spend that use of time, you know, scouting out as much water as we could rather than finding an area that had potential to, to win the tournament and be kind of forced to, to stick it out there and beat those fish up. Uh, if you win a tournament and you get some money, I mean, then it's worthwhile, but then, you know, sometimes it could be a smarter use of your time just to, uh, to concentrate on, on the bigger tournament. And, uh, uh but it, it just, it just matter, you know, it just depends. I'm probably, you know, I'm probably going to make a last minute decision, just kind of see how my pre-fish goes. And, um, if I feel like it's a smart decision to, to jump into the, uh, to the shootout, I'll probably do that. And if, you know, if not, then I'll, I'll just spend that time pre-fishing. It, it seems like it's easier this time since it's a different body of water. Like you were saying with the, yeah, yeah. It's in the same, like, I don't know why you would fish it because you're, you could be hurting yourself at, the, at least this one's different. Well, in the TOC, you could technically still fish Teleco too in the oh, TOC, okay. I believe, right? Yes, you can. Yeah. 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 Teleco's in play for the TOC. So maybe, yeah, let's say you have, you know, let's say I'm pre-fishing and I I want to fish somewhere on Fort Loudon. You know, I find a good area on Fort Loudon uh, a few days before the tournament and I'm like, all right, this is, this is going to be the spot. But then I want to spend, you know, the day that the shootout is happening, uh, I feel like, hey, this will be a good day to, to maybe fish Teleco and just kind of go on a whim and, and, you know, use it as a day of pre-fish. You know, I, I pretty much have to already have something lined up that I plan on fishing in the TOC in order for me to, I think, do the shootout and fish Teleco and just use it as a day of of pre-fishing. And if I if I stumble onto something, you know, great. And uh, if not, then at least I, I you know not beaten up the fish that I'm I'm planning on fishing for the TOC. Yeah, that makes sense. The uh, like, is is there uh, just so my ask this question as well. Is there somewhere like everybody who's going to fish a shootout or a TOC that they have to go eat or something they have to go see since both of y'all have been there before? Like some places have that one restaurant or that one oh. that has the pie. Like, you you know, you got to go there. I mean, downtown Knoxville is right there and there's no shortage yeah. of, of fun things to do around that area. Lots of great restaurants. I I've been around. I forget the names of them, but Calhoun's on the river is pretty cool mm. place. I've heard of that. Yeah, it's right there. At Volunteer Landing. Cool. I've never been to Knoxville. I've driven through there, like going to Gatlinburg and all that, but I, I've never been there. Too much orange. I just. <laughs> I hear that. <laughs> War Eagle. No, I know you're Kentucky. I'm sure, right? Oh yeah. yeah I see the Eastern Kentucky uh, diploma back there. EKU. Oh yeah, yeah, so, yeah. But I'm a UK fan. Yeah. We're all go big blue. I lived in Lexington for a year whenever I was a kid. And oh, man, okay, so you know yeah. you know a little bit about it. Oh yeah, man, them people are yeah. as hardcore as anywhere else. Especially, especially uh, with our basketball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was there during the Patino years. The best. Was it Patino? Yeah. Yep. That's right. So is there anything else people like, uh, let's say somebody's coming for the shootout, any, any other advice or anything else you could tell them that people, I know you don't want to tell anybody that's in the TOC, like <laughs> you don't want to tell them a dang thing, but maybe the shootout people. I heard Teleco has some nice small mouth, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that's, that's what I hear about Teleco, you know, Fort Loudon's, and the main lake's kind of more largemouth. And if you want big smallmouth, I heard, you know, as far as lake fishing goes, I heard Teleco's the way to go for that. I think that's probably right. Yeah. There Teleco's is. definitely a clear, deeper, clear lake. I heard it's pretty dirty right now, though. We had a pretty big storm yeah, come through it's not stained. too long ago. I actually, I did fish Teleco. Uh, I was out there yesterday on Teleco. 
Was it pretty dirty? It was more stained than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. I think it'll but clear up by the time. So by next week, yeah, I think it, flush it, it through. We're not getting any rain, so it should clear up. Yeah. yeah. If if the with the shootout being on Teleco, is that kind of changing your mind of not wanting to practice there as much during the the TOC because it's it's water, it's going to get more pressure. Big lake though, yeah. Yeah, yeah they're big. It's big water. Um, you know, I went to a creek and and was surprised at how big it was, and I was just like, golly, this is big water. Um, you know, the thing is, Teleco is in play for the TOC too. I mean, you could, you could find a deal over there and, and it not get pressure, um, you know, and have, have a little something in your back pocket. You know, I wouldn't personally, I wouldn't mind having something, you know, that I have confidence in on Loudon and then maybe trying to find something I have confidence in on Teleco and just kind of play in the weather, you know, play the conditions and have something on both because those lakes fish pretty different. I mean, they really do the, the composition of the rock and the banks are just different. Um, you know, you got the little Tennessee river versus the Tennessee river. Uh, and, and just the, the way the river lays is, is just different. So, Let me ask questions can dictate which one of those lakes could be right. So what do you think it'll take to win uh TOC for, for the oh. two day? I think, you know, somebody's probably going to get on some big smallmouth. And, you know, obviously I saw what Lambert was able to do and, you know, some of the recent tournaments. I think 179 would win it. That's what I was guessing, about 90 a day, yeah. Yeah, I I think it'll be just under 180. Okay. I think 90 a day is is really tough. I mean, it could happen. Unless the – right now, yeah, that would – Unless the bike I think gets better, one seventy nine will win it. That's right. just that's a that's good guess, guess. I think. Does that change if if it's all all the way at Winter Pool, or if they still have moving water? Yes, yes. Goes I think, up. I think that has a lot to do with it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I mean that's that's about it. There ain't there ain't really too much else to say about. It. Somebody's going to win a lot of money. Somebody's that's going to right. Yeah. I mean, Actually, a lot of guys are going to go home with pretty decent paychecks. I yeah, mean, that's a great, great pay big deal. But hey, eight thousand for second place. Um, what was it? Fifty five hundred for third place. I mean, hey, I'll, I'll 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 go home with third place with a smile on my face. Hell yeah! Everybody's coming to win, but ten guys are going to go home with a decent check. For this event, do you think that it should be changed? To more, I heard somebody say this that maybe it should be changed a little bit more to like the ten, where everybody gets a guaranteed two hundred dollars. Or well, you know, there may be something like that coming down the road. You know, they're paying uh, out like the way twenty percent. I think instead of ten, yeah, it's twenty percent. Yep, I like I like you know, at some point you got to have enough anglers to make it difficult. But I don't know. Uh, now maybe maybe you could have an event where it's maybe three days and there's a cut, hmm. and after that cut, a certain number of people yeah. are going to check. Yeah, kind of like third day, Something cut like it that. to the top twenty percent, and then sure. all of them get paid. That's, I like that. Yeah, you know, if you're fishing on the final day, you know, it's kind of nice to fish stress free, knowing hey, you know, if I blank today, I'm still going home with a check. Yeah, yeah, yeah I like that. And you just kind of fish free. You know, you can kind of take chances you would normally take. Yeah. How is it? Uh, I mean, Lord willing, y'all both do well. I appreciate y'all being here. How's it? How do you think it's going to be for the people that do poorly in this event? Like, it, because some of the best anglers in the country are going to do poorly. It's top. It's, it's an event with 50 people and 50, you know, a few of those people are going to be at the bottom and, and you're going to go home and it's, and it's going to be tough. Like last year, I saw some people who are some of the best in sport, and they went home and they did poorly. And you think, man, they they made it to the TOC. They did something I wasn't able to do, and they and they probably have this bad sour taste in their mouth. Like, how how do you how do you deal with that? Is that is that a positive because you made it, or is it like it sucks because you sucked? That's you got to use it as fuel. I think. Yeah. I mean, if you're if you're in that bottom tier, it's like. Use it. Use it to your advantage. I mean, 
I don't think it's anything to feel bad about. Um, everybody's going to go through that if you fish long enough. It's, you know what I mean? It's going to happen. Um, I just think you got to use it for fuel. Like me last year, I didn't even make the TOC, and I worked really hard trying to make it. And I just used it as fuel and was like, I'm making it next year. There's no way I'm not making it. And I made it. You know what I mean? I feel good about that. So if I make it this year and it's like, hey, I'm in 50th place after day two, and I go home in 50th place, use it for fire. You know what I mean? Let that let that fuel you all off season and get ready to go for next year and say, all right, next year I'm top 10. You know, just build off of it. Yeah. I'd say to those people that, you know, to the eventual people who aren't going to as well, like I, I would love to be there. So I, I would love to do, I would love to have made it and do poorly than to not have a shot at all. So, Absolutely. Yeah. So that's that. That's always a tough one. You can't win it if you're not in it, you know, and just being in it, you've got the opportunity, you've got the chance, you know, that's more than a lot of other people have. So just cool. got to be fortunate for where you're at. Yep. Well, man, I appreciate you being on. And uh, is there anybody you want to shout out for? We let you go. Uh, just Hobie, you know, for for really putting this thing together and and uh, giving us these opportunities to fish for uh, what I think are are some higher level things. And I think it's going to build. And I think there's some some good big new things coming. Oh, anything. No, I, I just I just think that they are working and striving. They're yeah, not definitely. they're not they're not satisfied with where it's at. Yeah, yeah okay, I, know, I, I, think, I think it's going to continue to grow. Yeah, here with the shoot, I think last year they released the new schedule in conjunction with the shootout and TOC. So we should be get that getting that in the next couple of weeks, so everybody will be able to make their schedules. KBF already released theirs. So yeah, it should, should be uh and it seems great that they've been working together like you know, yeah. AJ, Steve, well, as it, much they, as they need to. It helps everybody yeah. if they work together. You know, it doesn't it, it hurts everybody if they don't work together. Yeah. And and everyone benefits when they do. So you might as well work together and try to deconflict as much as possible. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks, man. We appreciate you being on and and good luck. I'm sure we'll talk to you for too long. Thanks for having me, guys. Russ, we'll see, see you soon, buddy. I'll see you up there, right. buddy. Later. All right. We'll go over one other thing here. Uh, we, every week we go over all the events. Uh, really, there was only one this week. Surprisingly, it's getting to the end of the year. But uh, Carol, Carolina Kayak Anglers, they had their Blair Fish Project. It was a benefit for Drew Blair, who lost uh, all his fishing gear was stolen. That sucks. Like, saw Ryan, he got all of his rods and reels stolen. Oh. I think people are like thieves are more aware that our gear costs more now. It seems, it seems that way, doesn't it? Yeah, it seems like it's happening more and more. But uh, Henry Vegian, I, I always say his name wrong. That dude's a hammer. That had 41 anglers. He got first with 82 and three quarter. Jeremy Hicks in second with 80, 78 and a half. And Eric Nelson in third with 74 and a half. Usually we talk about 20 different tournaments. This week was only one. So. It's definitely the end of the season there. Yeah, but, uh, it is, isn't it? Yeah, the seventh. You, if you want to sign up for the Bassmaster event on Chick, you have until the seventh to sign up for that. For ju so, just a few more days. It's like this weekend. Yeah, let's get her, better get on it. That's right. And then, last but not least, I'll put this up right here on Thursday, uh, November fifth, on the OG show. They're going to be announcing the Trail Series, and that is. Here's some more information. Five stops, one invitational, one championship, and one clash of clubs. Even if you're not going to be fishing in the regular trail series or the championship, definitely pay attention and watch this show because the clash of clubs they're going to talk about is something that from all the clubs from around the country, they can get involved. So it's and I think it's going to be a really cool deal. Kind of something if you've ever heard of the um, Crossroads Classic, it's kind of going to be a deal like that with I don't want to say too much, but ALY guys from clubs from all over the country are going to come and compete in a team tournament. So definitely Thursday, check, uh, watch that, pay attention. So, but yeah, hey man, Russ, I appreciate you being a co-host. You did great. I Thanks, knew, man. 
I don't know that like I've been to California, but I don't know the geography like you do where, where all the different lakes are at. That was cool that you knew like exactly where dude was fishing. Yeah, no, that was that was cool. Especially talking to the you know West Coast guys just growing up there and gonna yeah. talk about those lakes. Uh, I really yeah enjoyed that conversation, Damon. That was, that was some cool stuff. Carolina rig, eight foot. Eight, yeah, eight, eight foot leader water. over seventy feet of water. Yeah, with the that's not something you hear about every day. Imagine losing that a tungsten tungsten one ounce weight plus tungsten clackers. That would be a lot. Yeah, you get that snagged up, you're losing some back. Yeah. yeah. If you can, I mean, if he's if you're winning tournaments like he is and like you are, dude, you he's killing it out there. I was, yeah, looking over. I knew you know I've been yeah. hearing his name, but after I really looked over his stats, it's it's pretty impressive what he's done and uh, just talking to him, you know, and, and seeing how how you know how he really dives into the details it's just you know pretty evident that's uh you know it's no surprise that he's that he's doing so well because he's uh yeah he's really dialed in yeah like you he's super analytical about it and, and really pays attention to the details which yeah that, i'm sure that's the reason that's you all have a common thing there and everybody needs to be more detailed because both y'all got it figured out <laughs> All right, man. Well, good luck. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Well, thanks for yeah. Let me get this opportunity. It's first time yeah. ever co-hosting a podcast or anything. I was <laughs> when yeah. uh, felt like went well. I had a lot of fun with it. So yeah, just talking about fishing. But good luck at TOC and uh, good luck to Jay Wallen as well. I'm I'm sure y'all will probably both be fishing bass. But yeah. uh, good, good luck at that event too. All right, Daniel. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate All right. it. Thanks, everybody. Uh, have a good night and thanks for listening. And wear your PFDs. Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode on Paddle in Finn. Don't forget to go check out our website at Paddle, the letter N, and Finn.com. Don't forget to check out the YouTube channel at Paddle and Finn. If you got a question, comment, want to hear from a future guest on a future episode, feel free to email us at Paddle, the letter N, and Finn at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Paddle and Finn on Facebook and Instagram. Shout out to our show supporters, Angler. The Angler button and app just makes for a better time on the water and creates a virtual logbook for every fishing outing out on the water. Shout out to Rocktown Adventures, located in northern Illinois, for all your kayaking, camping, and hiking needs. TRC Covers, protect your investment. Catch Products, shout out to Catch Products. Go to catchproducts.com and put the Paddle in Fin logo directly on your catch board. Shout out to Jigmasters Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com, use promo code PNF20, and save 20 20% on all your jig and tackle needs.